0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Driven Minds. This is your host, Franz Bowman. This is your host, Travis Weeks? We have another dope guest today. Yes, sir. Uh, John Lopez. Um, John is a, is it fair to say, a sports photographer? Uh, Primarily, he shot for uh, Slam Magazine um, and uh, other popular outlets. Um, Welcome, John. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. It's great hey, to be here. Throw a little scratchy. What's going yeah. on with you? Just right now trying to <laughs> recover from a... Oh, I thought I was about to cough, but it didn't happen. So. <clears throat> yeah, but thank you, John, for coming on board, man. I appreciate you coming by. Let's start off first. Where, are you, where are you from? I'm from the Lower East Side. You know,
1: family, they grew up there in the mid to late 80s and early 90s. It was a much different place back then than mm-hmm. it is now, uh, but by way of Puerto Rico. Our family's from Puerto Rico.
0: Nice. I just happened to be born and raised in the Lower East Side. Yo, that's yeah, it dope, yeah. Starting off creatively, was it always photography or what was you into first? When I was a kid, I was into
1: drawing, but I was oh. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it though, you know, I used to like collect uh, markers, like I would go into Pearl Paint, get the nice like expensive paint markers that are like $5 each, I would save up my little allowance. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. I'm trying to make my own little comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun, though. Uh, photography came a little bit later, you know. When I was a teenager, my grandmother bought me a film camera, okay. and uh, kind of planted the seed. And my mom, actually, in the house, she was the one that just had every photo album. You know, like random extended family and friends would come over, mm-hmm. and there'd be pictures of them. They were like, how do you get this picture? You know, my mom just always had...
0: Uh, well, she's a bit of a bike. shutter burn, but, Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly, it's
1: exactly. Right. I don't remember any of her. I think she was just like the queen of disposable cameras. Word. Right? <laughs> like a lot of disposable. I used to actually take the disposable cameras out with me to the basketball court sometimes to try the pictures of me and my boys hooping. Yeah, As a teen? Like, nah, like, you know, in the park. You know, just on the playground. okay. Um, so, it, it kind of went there and there. you know, my grandmother got me the camera. I started taking it a little more seriously. And uh, my senior year of high school, um, I had a required art class, and I was like, I wasn't really into it, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll try photography and go see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And that's when I learned, you know, it was a very introductory course. Uh, I learned from there about darkroom editing and making my own prints, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, being a basketball player all my life, it was interesting because I would, I would use basketball to, as my sanctuary, so... Whether I was stressed or elated, yeah. I could find comfort on the basketball court. Oh, well, man, Whether I was hoopin' by myself, just putting up shots, or whooping with my friends, gotcha. or with strangers. Uh, but being in the dark room for the first time, I felt a similar kind of feeling uh, to being in the basketball court. Oh, and it was, it was very calming, uh, and I was able to kind of like, just remove everything else from my
0: mind and just kind of concentrate on what was right in front of me. Yeah, you, that's that's you. So you was in your element, so I'm guessing at that point, you kind of like, did you know like, okay, i just want to keep pursuing this at this point? Like or did you have to pick that over basketball or it was kind of like... Nah, nah,
1: basketball was the goal. You know, I grew up uh, as a delusional New York City teenager trying to go to the league. Right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I took that very seriously. You know, our boys were going out to parties and to the movies. I was on the court. Hey, you know, I was getting up early every day. I'll be up at like 5 30 in the morning, waking up listening to the Man, getting me hyped for the rest of the day. Okay. Uh, and just working on my game, did and even you, when I took that class. Did you
0: play on any teams for like schools or? Yeah,
1: I went to Norman Thomas High School. Mm. Um, I'll tie this back in later, but I went to Norman Thomas High School with a bunch of uh, talented basketball players. I was definitely at the bottom of the total pole there, but the team was really, really talented. Right, uh, cool. Lewis Flores was on that team uh, who went on to lead the nation in scoring when he was at Miami. College and three point field goal percentage while he was there. Uh, And it was pretty cool because actually, two years ago or a year ago, I was shooting the uh, Olympic qualifying tournament, the FIBA Americas tournament down in Mexico City. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot has happened between high school and me getting to Mexico City. But the crazy thing was I'm on the baseline, and the Dominican Republic has a game coming up. It's the next one I'm about to shoot. I see my man, Luis Flores, he
0: ended up in the national team, he was a dude, you know, we used to go at it and practice, right? yeah. you know, that's crazy, so he's playing for, um, DR. Yeah. Ah, national that's, team. So, that's, that's yeah. so, You said something really interesting, uh, just a little while ago, backtrack, you said that basketball was your, like, your first love and it was your comfort, and then you found that, that similar sense of, uh, belonging in a dark room. Um, Can you talk about a little, just a little bit, touch on like that contrast? Because basketball is like war, especially when you're like super competitive. Whereas the dark room, that's more of like a solitude kind of experience. Like it's just you, the film, and you know, what you had in your head. Can you talk about kind of like the, the similarities and contrast to that?
1: Absolutely. For me, actually they all wanted the same, you know? On the basketball court, externally, it's a battle, right, if you're competing at a high level. And, you know, obviously the, the goal is, is to get better, I think, every single time and hopefully get the victory and the end, championship and so on and so forth. And within that, there's many sub-battles that come out, right, the, the 6 a.m., workouts, the extra training sessions, the lifts, the True practices, day. you know what I mean? Um, all of that stuff takes a toll on you, it's, it's pretty, it's, excuse me, it's obvious, you know, that you're going through the pain. Uh, but really in your mind, it's just gotta—you gotta be a calm in a calm zone in order to thrive, right on mm-hmm. the like basketball court. So I—I I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing like when Carmelo Anthony is at his best, or Kobe Bryant, or any of the elite basketball players in the world, when they're at their best, they just locked in on, on the present moment, mm-hmm. you know. And so no matter what's going on, whether they're being screened really hard or fouled really hard, or somebody's talking trash to them from the crowd, hecklers, and so on, in their minds, it's, it's just calm because right, they just focus on the present moment mm-hmm. and for me, although I couldn't articulate it at that time, I think that's what I found when I was in the dark room right? because I felt like so many things could go wrong in the dark room right? my film could be messed up I could have uh, exposed it to light too soon, I could have left it in the chemicals too long mm-hmm. uh, You know, I might have composed it wrong I might have rushed, I might have forgotten a setting or something like that, oh so many things can go wrong and that's just human error then mm-hmm. there's the side of it where it's like Maybe the picture just sucks. Right? There's so many amazing photographs that we're all exposed to all the time, especially especially today, right? I mean, we probably see, but by the time we go to bed every day, we probably see 10,000 images. Right? So every
0: single day, at least. It's off your phone. They say millennial abuses his phone 150 times a day. So. Yeah, I'm definitely up to like 340. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just checking the same old emails. Right. Exactly. So, you know,
1: so being in the dark, I was able to find kind of that similar solace. And really, what I was referring to more specifically was just kind of a spirit, on the spiritual side, you know, being in a basketball court, whether I'm winning or losing, whether I'm talking trash or being quiet, whether my shot is falling or it's not, I'm, I'm expressing myself. I'm, I'm releasing mm. energy, stress, frustration, elation, jubilation, you know. Right. Um, and I kind of felt a similar uh,
0: tranquility and solace and, and release working in the darkroom. Yo, That's fly. And you got to have a, a certain amount of discipline as well to be in a room. Well, I gather that you learned out on the court as well. So, as a teen, um, so you officially picked up the camera when? Like, you you, you mess with it as a team, you know, take a picture of your boys, um, Mom Duke's, you know, disposable camp queen, you know what I'm saying? But when did you decide like, all right, I'm going to really make a go at, well, not even professionally, but I'm just really going to start paying attention to this. Like, when did, when was that moment that you were like, all right, this is a dope-ass picture. I can do this shit.
1: That moment came for me actually soon after I graduated from college.
0: Okay. Right?
1: While I was in college, I didn't take a single photography class. Mm. And I'm not proud of that, but, you know, there, the reason was there was a prerequisite at my school. And I needed to take a drawing and painting class. And this goes back to mm. me being an awful artist <laughs> by way of drawing. So I was, I was concerned that if I took this drawing and painting class, I would destroy my GPA. And by the time I got to college, although I didn't start out that way, I was very high on my education. It was very important to me to, you know, to succeed in the classroom as well yeah. as on the court. Right. So I didn't get a chance to take any photos while I was in college officially and kind of learn from a professor and the traditional methods. When I graduated from college, and actually, I was playing ball, you know, still kind of pursuing my dreams. And uh, ironically, unlike most of my friends, my friends would all say that I was a very late bloomer. You know? So even as a basketball player, when I was very younger, mm-hmm. I was a bummer. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then it was like when my friends started falling off for whatever reasons, you know, I started getting better, progressively better. And by the time I got to college and when I graduated college, I was really kind of at my personal peak as far as playing at a high level. And so anyway, after college, we would have these runs. I worked at the Boys Club of New York, uh, which I, was a program I grew up in and kind of helped me, guided me toward the path of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we would have these runs every Thursday. On well, Friday mornings, I would send an email to everybody who was invited to the run, just kind of talking trash about how bad we all were. Right? Mm-hmm. It was total self-deprecation, just talking about like, you know, our ugly finger rolls <laughs> And so, it became, like, sort of a thing guys started looking forward to every week. You know, right. and I would like, like, have, like, not top 10, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and uh, guys would call me in the morning, like, yo, don't forget about this, So you better not mention that. Mm. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys who was going to the run, uh, who's since become a really good friend of mine and a mentor to me, was Bobito Garcia. Wow. Okay. So, mm-hmm. at the time, Bob was the editor-in-chief of Bounce Magazine, mm-hmm. which covered playground basketball. Particularly in New York City, but it was distributed worldwide. Yeah. And so based on my, my emails. Yeah, he's actually one of the co-founders really? of the magazine. Yeah. It's now defunct, sadly. Um, but he was also receiving those emails. He was on the email chain. And uh, he hit me up one time, like, hey, how would you like to write for Bounce magazine? And I was like, Wow, that sounds good to me. You know what I'm saying? It's basketball is out in my backyard, I'm playing some of these tournaments anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign me up. So when I started going to the parks, I noticed that nobody was taking photos of the, of the games to kind of accompany my blogs. So I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to break out my camera. Mm-hmm. So I had this old, you know, pretty shaky camera, and I would go, and the pictures were kind of mediocre, both because of myself and the limitations of the equipment I was working with. Mm-hmm. So it was soon after that, that I decided, right, I'm gonna take it seriously, I need to invest in a real camera. Mm-hmm. And around that time was when uh, the Canon 5D Mark II came out. And that was a pivotal hey, point. Started words. Well, no, that's not what I started with. I had a oh, oh. full-time day job, and I was working with a terrible camera before yeah, that. Okay. On okay, okay. the at that point, like okay, like obviously, seriously, yeah, yeah, you know what yes. I'm saying. And so that was when I made that investment. And for me, that was I didn't have that money just laying around, yeah, so I kind yeah. of waited a little bit,
0: got that camera. That's a message right like there. Investing you, and so you know it's time. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, so like, you know you need to have the like right tools. If you don't mind asking, what was the full-time day job at that point?
1: When I graduated from college, the first thing I did was go back to the boys' level. I grew up, you know, it's it's kind of all tied in. I grew up in a single-parent household. It was just my mom, uh, myself, and my two younger siblings. And uh, I'm a first-generation high school graduate. Wow. So, you know, my mom always pushed education she had me when she was 19. She dropped out of high school because she was pregnant. Right. And she always pushed on me, like, you know, whatever you do, you got to graduate high school. You got to get a diploma. Nobody can ever take that away from you. You know, it was very important to me. And so, you know, education was always a big thing to me. And then when I went to the boys' club, they really reinforced that, and they helped me realize another key point that kind of carried me to where I am today, which was, you know, education is the great equalizer. You yeah, know, and yeah, it's yeah. like, it just, it just gives you a certain level of power to be able to have that knowledge. And you know? like not only the knowledge that comes from within the classroom, but just knowledge in general. Yeah, know? exactly. um, and that ties into a lot of things and, and areas of my repertoire that, that I think are important to me. Uh, and, and my growth and development over time. So immediately after college, I went right back to my mentor at the boys club. And the boys club kind of served as filling that void and being my father figure. So right. my mentor at the boys club, he had gone from being the basketball coach to being the executive director. And so I went back there just to say, what's up? You anyway, know, we all graduated, you know what I mean? Good to see you, how's everything going over here? And he offered me a job, like right on the spot. Oh, wow. that's fly. So, I'm like, you know, that was that was my guy. Like,
0: Uh, Regardless of what
1: I was going on, it was very difficult to kind of turn him down. So I graciously accepted and I was working at the Boys Club of New York uh, down in Lower East Side at the time. Uh, They had a few clubhouses. But I was down there doing development, volunteering with the basketball team. And while I was there, I kind of moved around, working with the education department, helping other young men of color in New York City uh, get scholarships
0: to attend independent uh, schools across the country. Wow. That's very admirable, man. Stuff. We even like, a crazy question we even asked. Um, what position did you play? I'm a guard. She was like, okay. I seen the high off one and I don't know. <laughs> right.
1: Well, I mean, just to show you, you know, until even actually when I transferred to, you know, I went to Norman Thomas High School here in the city and I transferred to prep school upstate, time independent boarding school, and uh, they have me trying to play center. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it's That's cool. crazy. 15. That's what they
0: always try to do the tour do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess even as, a, as like a, um, a basketball player, I guess the reason we even made your photography really so dope and whoever's listening, y'all definitely got to go check it out or his website, um, com. I guess you can like, you know as an athlete or as a ball player, the moments that you know, um, that you probably uh, have been in that you know were really intense. Probably really be photogenic at that moment, like whether it be you in your zone or whether it be you know, it's just that moment. I guess you can sense that even better than if talking about I'm looking at the photo with uh, Carmelo. That's a dope ass photo, or yeah. even the photo with the dude who's um look like he's flying, a dude coming from half from like half line and whatnot. Like that, right there is like not even just you see him doing a, a crazy acrobatic basketball move, it's like especially with the, the mellow pictures, like yo. You almost think like, what are they thinking? You know what I mean, like the way you the way you capture that. So does that like I'm pretty sure does that you connect both worlds? Absolutely. You know,
1: um, I like to tell people you know, on my Instagram account. You can see, you know, uh, basketball didn't get me to the lead, but my snapshot did. Right, my jump shot didn't, get me, you know, but, my, but my snapshot did. That's fly.
0: That's fly. <laughs> and so you know,
1: and that just goes to you know not taking no for an answer right and it's true you know my jump shot didn't get me there you know i was offered a couple of scholarships and things like that to play ball in the college and whatever and you know basketball was basketball and i loved every minute of it but it didn't get me to where i wanted to be right coach k wasn't calling me i wasn't being invited to the elite camps you know the first time i got invited to the uh lebron james skills academy which i guess today is probably the top uh summer camp for basketball players in the country, in mm-hmm. the high school and college level, mm-hmm. was as a photographer. You know what I'm wow, saying? Yo, you know? But it felt just as empower, empowering mm-hmm. to me to be there from a basketball perspective as it did from a photography side. Right? Yeah. For me, it's like, this is a major achievement. Right. You know, and just like, as a kid, you know, I always wanted some dope shorts, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you had dope shorts, that means you played in a dope tournament, that means you had a good coach, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right, 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 it, was, right. it was a symbol for much more than just some apparel, you know what I mean? And it's so... so kind of having that experience in the photography side, I still take pride in that, even on the basketball side. But totally, you know, my knowledge of the game totally influences right, right, right. Uh, what I'm doing in the photography side of things. Yeah. And that photo of Melo, it was interesting, you know, when you're sitting on the baseline, and that photo comes from the Olympics in Rio this year, 2016, hmm. uh, I noticed he was walking over by himself to the referee to kind of get the, the game ball and just kind of get a feel for it. Mm. And uh, when you're on the baseline of the Olympics, unlike some other places, there's dozens of photographers at every single spot right, right. on the baseline. Okay. You know, there's so many, so many different media outlets mm. and you know, all from all over the world. Yeah. That so networking must be crazy. It was cool. It was, really cool <laughs> it was super talented people, you know? And, 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 you know. I'm a competitor, you know, on and off the court. So it's really cool to kind of pick their brains and learn from them, and and you know, try to see if I can get. A shot that maybe nobody else got, mm-hmm. right. and so when you're in that big crowd, you can hear all the shutters, and you're like, What are they saying that I might not be, you know? Or maybe when I'm shooting, I can hear them also shooting the same. Hey, that shit is loud, too.
0: You know, <laughs> That's really all you hear. Like when I've been around, you know, seeing press, right. it's, it's intense, yeah. Especially when
1: you're shooting sports, right? Because you're shooting with the fastest cameras that right. are available That's on sweet. the market.
0: Right. And so, at this
1: particular time, just like the moment shows, it was actually really quiet, you know, and photographers, you know, one reason or another, weren't. So he focused on this, mm. but I just saw him and the way he was kind of embracing the ball, it just felt like you know the image showed his passion for the game and the love of the game. And you know, to your point, you know, what is, what's on his mind right now? Right? Right, yeah. I mean, was, in his case, it's his fourth and final Olympics, you know what I'm saying? Last time playing international yeah, yeah.
0: basketball, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of things going through the mind of a warrior. Yeah, and you caught that moment. You yeah. ever had an athlete reach out to you and be like, Yo, I really like this photo, can you uh send me the still? I want you to frame it or whatnot. Yeah, athletes uh, hit me up all the time,
1: Um, believe it or not, from all the different levels, you know, so one of the things I've done recently is uh, photograph the Nike Elite Youth Basketball League, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's also known as the EYBL. The EYBL is the biggest, probably the most competitive AAU circuit in the country. Yeah, I mean, there's teams in there from Canada, and literally from Cali to Maine, and everything in between, Uh, there's 40 teams in the league, and... It featured, I think, last year they had something like over 75% of the top 100 uh, players in oh wow. the country. Cream of the crop. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of cool to see these guys while they're young and to watch them progress mm-hmm. um, throughout their careers. And those guys are very excited about the photography side mm-hmm. of things, you know. It's kind of cool to have to get some ink, you know what I mean, on the blogs and, you know, the, the video mixtapes and all that stuff they kind of it. So it's kind of cool and they're very eager to, to get a really cool photo. So. You know, uh, this year's number one pick in the NBA draft, Ben Simmons, is among those
0: guys. You know, I photographed him for a few years in that league. Malik Beasley, really Uh, good dude. That was actually actually my next question. Have you ever photographed or seen a player who was like, this guy, he's special. He's going to be something. Has that really happened? Did it happen with Ben Simmons? I
1: mean, you know I, I try to actually stay away from that you know because as a, as a purist of the game as a former player as somebody who continues to coach you know I never want to send a message to a young man or woman saying like you're going to the league mm-hmm. you know so I would never say that directly but no question about it I'm sitting on the baseline and I'm observing some of these things the athleticism just the, the, the IQ mm-hmm. it's it's amazing and how coachable some of these guys are I'm seeing them operate in some of the highest pressure situations right Peach Jam Uh, is the culminating event for the EYBL, right? So there's 40 teams in the league, 24 teams advance after a four-week season, Mm -hmm. which is about 16 games. After 16 games, the top 24 teams are invited to Peach Jam. Peach Jam then is like a smaller tournament, it's kind of like March Madness. And then the the, the crown winner is the champion, right? Of the whole thing. it's a super high pressure situation. You know, everybody wants to impeach them. and they literally get peaches. It takes place in the South on the South Carolina <laughs> Georgia border. Um, so it, it's it's a really, really big deal. So I'm seeing and also all the major coaches from across the country are there yeah. watching them play. So you might die for a loose ball and land in Coach k's lap, you know, True. or you know, Rick Patino's lap or any any of the major coaches. So
0: um
1: it's It's amazing. So you see this and it's like, wow, you know, like this guy hit that game with a shot or was able to execute this play to to perfection under some serious pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, if you wanted to list the names, I mean Ben Simmons, I I felt like was super talented right away. Mm -hmm. Um, a guy, you know, I can say some of the guys to look out for now, you know, Miles Bridges, who's a Mm -hmm. freshman at Michigan State. Mm -hmm. I think he, he's one of the most exciting players to watch. We have Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges. Mm, definitely yeah. do my research. Um, my you know, my guys at, at, at Kentucky, um, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox. These guys are special athletes. You know what I mean? Can I tell you that they're going to be the next Michael Jordan or anything like that? Yeah. I, I, I can never say that, but but these are guys who I think personally have good heads on their shoulders. I've gotten to have a few conversations with them. And it's kind of good to just see their careers progress. And again, I'm getting to do this as a basketball Purist, but Mm -hmm. also as a photographer. So I'm helping kind of document this part of the journey of their lives. And now, even though I'm not necessarily their coach or I'm not like particularly close to them, like Mm -hmm. I might be with a team that I may be coaching, I build a bond with them. You know, I'm so proud to see a guy like Malik Beasley, you know, fulfilling his dream and doing
0: well at at the next level. I I wanted to touch on the the tone of your your images too. Like they're very, um, they're very, reserved but alive you know what i mean like even with, with some of the street ball images that you have like you can really see the grit in the game but it's a really clean image like is that by design like how, how do you how do you like in, in your head when, when you're sitting down with the image? because obviously the the picture itself has to be dope but when you're like retouching or what have you like what's what's that process like like what's on your mind
1: Well, I'm trying trying to capture the moments, you know, especially with my playground photography. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, over the past few years, it's been getting more attention. You know, Mm -hmm. there's always been celebrities coming to the games and people who may remember some of the famous images of Rucker Park with Dr. J was playing. You know, you got people sitting on rooftops, Mm -hmm. excuse me, and, you know, on top of the fence and, you know, across the street trying to peek in and, and you kind of see that. So it's not like it's an undocumented thing by any means, but... Now you mm-hmm. might go to a, a tournament and there's like 40 cameras and photographers roaming the baselines everywhere, you know, getting some images. It wasn't always like
0: that. Did it? Oh, so it's changed within the last like 10 mm-hmm. years? Or absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Does n one have anything to do with that? <laughs> possibly,
1: you know, possibly because people see, you know, where these, where these players are going and where the game is going and they right. want to be a part of that wave. Right, you
0: right. know,
1: for me, it was never really about that. For me, it was about telling the story of the individuals who are there. You know, mm-hmm. some of the guys I've coached in the past are now playground legends, you know, and they have nicknames and they're out there doing their thing. And, and then from there, they may they not be in the NBA, but they're playing overseas, you know, and they're getting paid to, to fulfill their passions. You know, they're doing what they really love to do. So, you know, to your question, I really think I'm looking for an image that not everybody else is going to get, right? Everybody want, you know, it's easy to kind of look for the layups of the photography game, right? Like get the dunk or mm-hmm. maybe if you could get the, the really cool picture of the crossover, you know but maybe you're not looking for the, the die for that loose ball right yeah. maybe you're not really paying attention you know where you know the guy fell down you turn and look the way right so it's, it's a different level of focus coming at it from a photography standpoint mm-hmm. you know as much as I, I kind of am able to anticipate some of the peak action moments based on the fact that I've been a player and a coach and I kind of know the game intimately in that way mm-hmm. um, but I'm also looking for other things that I didn't really get as a player, per se, because as a player, I'm focusing on my own personal progression, right? As a photographer, I'm focusing on everything uh, that surrounds the game, including the fans, including the, you know, the, the cuchiflitos being sold, you know what I'm saying? All of that, you know, just capturing the entire atmosphere. So, you know, I think, I hope that might be something that separates some of my images, because I'm, I'm really trying to capture the soul of the game, not just kind of capitalize off of the, the next big thing to come out of New York City. Yeah,
0: gotcha. So, like, do- and just a piggyback of that, and I'm probably a little retarded. Hope this is not the same question. But um, do you have like a narrative? Because you were you started out as a writer. Do your images have like a, a, a particular narrative that, that you that you're trying to express? Uh, yes and no. Not every single one,
1: right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling multiple stories all the time, and I think my best photo is the one that tells the whole story in one image,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the one of Carmelo Anthony, right? There could be a whole story and then it tells an entire story of this, this man's career, right? right? right. Potentially Hall of Famer sure. and, you know, four Olympics and all that. Right. Um, that. That one image could tell an entire story, but mm-hmm. then I put it next to the image of him maybe dunking, right? Like, okay, Knox is an action shot, right? Or him playing defense or him at the uh, press conference. Yeah. So those kind of things string together a narrative story, so when I start building, you know, kind of sequences of specific images. Mm-hmm. Then there's that, but I'm not trying to tell one particular narrative the whole time. Sometimes there's many different stories uh, that come alive, and that's one of the things I love about the game of basketball. And for me, many of my core values come from the court. Mm-hmm. Right, I-, I learned about sacrifice, about being a good teammate, you know and mm-hmm. being a good leader, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with pressure from the basketball court, and, I- and those things transcend the game. And into the rest of my life as a, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a creative thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm constantly just looking for different stories uh, within yeah. the game. You know, and there's always a, a game within the game.
0: Yeah, I ask that because, um, you know, sometimes when you, when you watch like a championship game and like, you know, once that last shot is sunk and, you know, there's a victory, you, you'll always get that like that quick pan of, of the defeated team. And I always feel like that's a that's a story that I would love to see, you know, visually, because to to capture all of that pain in that moment, like I see grown men cry. You know what I'm saying? Like even even to watch like Taran Liu, just sitting, you know with his head, his, his face in his hands. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think you know that's that's a that's an interesting um point of view to have. you're Fortunate to have. Is there like a certain shoot that speaks like this um? So that sticks out in your mind that now and that's just close to is it the Carmelo one or
1: my next shoot. you know it's, it's always my next shoe. you know that I always kind of that's always what's on the forefront of my mind you know mm-hmm. um, just again core values transcending the basketball court on the basketball court you don't have time to complain to the ref about the play that, that just happened mm-hmm. right you gotta, you gotta focus on the next clip you know it's constant progress constantly moving forward um, I mean every photo I take is important to me Right. Every right. every photo I make is near and dear to my heart, but really, I'm constantly focusing on the next one.
0: You know? Always in the photo. I'm going to ask about um, two things: clientele and locale. Um, firstly, like who? Wh- which are some of um, the clients that you've shot for, um, like you know, big brands or what have you? Um, what what was your favorite experience? And then piggyback on that. Some of the locales that you've been to, because you've been to some pretty uh, exotic places in your travel. coming from the lower to be able to globe travel with the cameras though
1: yeah, man, uh, you know when i when I look back and reflect on my career its it's crazy you know yeah. I'm, I'm really living out a dream and i'm truly really blessed to to be in this position, and I never lose sight of that okay. you know I mean every single day it, you know it's another blessing for me to have another day to live, and i'm just thrilled that i'm able to Kind of do what I love, and people appreciate it enough for they keep bringing me on board. Mm. Um, and you know, I'm speaking specifically about my clients, you know, because it's a mutual relationship, right? I mean, on the on one hand, I'm providing a service, mm. and on the other hand, it's all collaborative, you know, between my clients and, and between my subjects, which are not always one and the same, right? Mm. So, my clients include, you know, Nike and Jordan Brand and the NBA and FIBA, which is the International Basketball Federation, mm. uh, Kicks USA bring it down to Philadelphia kind of like a Foot Locker yeah they got one in a Cherry Hill Mall. exactly yeah, 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 they, yeah. from my understanding I, I believe they're going to be expanding soon so that should be fun to yeah. kind of see how that all you know, yeah. comes to fruition um, but yeah man I mean I, I've been to some amazing places man you know uh again fortunately with my clients you know I've, I've been Almost all over the world. And I've been to wow. Spain. I've been to Mexico City. I've been to Venezuela. I've been to Rio for the Olympics. You know, I've been to the Bahamas. That's crazy, bro. Uh, to shoot the trip. You know, yeah, man. I mean, I, I've gone. I've gone from Gersh Park in Brooklyn and West Fourth Street in oh, Diamond, all the way to the to the Rio Olympics. You know, wow. and everything in between. You know, and uh, I've been I've been truly blessed to be able to be okay. there. I'm not sure that so many of my colleagues on the baseline uh, from both locations have kind of. Right, like,
0: right, right. Gone, you know, false yeah. ways that were. Way. Did you see that happening? Like when that shit happened, you're like, "Oh shit!" Blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> like, did you, like, did you see your life going this way from being a ball player? And how is like, how do you, how's you even your family like? Take like, you gotta be, underly like, super proud.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I, I didn't see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I had a vision for myself. Just like I had a vision for myself as a basketball, I, I envisioned myself helping the New York Knicks win the championship they deserve. I envision myself as you a guard, my, no, you, you, know saying, you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, at John Starks. I envisioned that, you know what I'm saying, and that part didn't come to fruition, but, you know, I, I'm always envisioning success. I'm always envisioning, you know, progress and getting better. And, you know, growing up in a, in, in a very, very humble and meager background, again, single parent household, all welfare, growing up, you know, it was kind of tough, and so, upper mobility was important to me, and it was a major driving factor, and, you know, just kind of growth, you know, I wanted, I always wanted better for my family, for myself. Um, and so those kind of things just kept pushing me along, kept pushing me along. And so, you know, here I am. But when I'm, when I'm in a location, you know, when I, Venezuela, for example, that was, again, FIBA Americas tournament about four years ago, maybe five now. Um, I'm there, I'm like, wow, like, I'm in another country. It's a communist country. This is totally different, major experience. that you know, we had... Uh, military escorts to take us from place to place, from the hotel to the arena, you know, just because of the the political turmoil that's been going on yeah. down there even for that long, so it, it was it was very interesting, man, and then in that moment, you know, again, I, I'm concentrating specifically on that moment, right, it's the equivalent, I think, of kind of being in the zone when you hear an athlete say, oh, man, I was in the zone, you know, Kobe scores 81, or You know, Russell Westbrook has yet another triple-double, you know. These guys, they're in the zone, and what they mean by that, I think, you know, my interpretation of it is that they're so focused on the present moment, you know what I mean, in that particular moment. And so when I'm in Venezuela, I'm not thinking to myself, wow, man, I'm in Venezuela. You know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I really want this kind of shot. I I want to, you know, set up my camera, make sure my remotes are working, you know, make sure I'm capturing and documenting this. Because really, it's a moment in history. I'm I'm documenting history and I'm freezing these moments for everybody to kind
0: of look back and and
1: reflect on and and make sure these moments are not forgotten. Definitely.
0: Where where was the first location, that exotic location that you you shot at? The first exotic location? Yeah. I mean, New York is an exotic location. You know what I'm
1: saying? (laughs) I'm from here, you know, but uh, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, you know, I, I had a great photo shoot. In Los Angeles, many years ago, um, with Above the Rim, which was a great client of mine. Um, you know, I've had great photo shoots in Puerto Rico. You know, I think Spain was amazing. Spain during the Basketball World Cup was amazing because the way the tournament was broken down, there were some days off and some gaps. So I was actually able to kind of okay. explore Spain a little bit while I was out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, for a few hours at a time. Whereas in Rio, you know, there was there was none of that. You know, I was able to, I was very lucky, you know, I passed up on some sleep to go check out some of the sites in Rio, but I literally had, like, a handful of hours to myself.
0: To get it done. Yeah. Does that competitive energy, um, like, translate the same over jurisdictions? Like, streetball in New York City, and especially at one time, like, it it was just life. You know what I'm saying? It was like an acme of its, you know, hype. But when you step on that court, you know I was never a great baller by the way. It's like very below average. You know so <laughs> that this. disclaimer out. Just let me put that out there. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? For the people that know me, be like, "All right, come yeah, on." Below son. average. So you're to average. You know, I might have had a Jimmy on a Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? After a, a good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give myself a, a, a period. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, like, do do you find that that energy like translate because? I ask that because, you know, you see, like, European players, they're, like, more finesse players. Whereas over here, you know, you kind of cut your teeth, especially in New York on the on the concrete, you know what I'm saying? Down south, it might be a little bit different. Like, is, is the energy the same, do you think, or, like...
1: You know, I think so, man. I think that the competitive spirit is kind of ubiquitous now, right? Basketball mm-hmm. is a global sport, and that wasn't always the case. Right. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And you know just by looking at all the Europeans that are playing ball and, mm-hmm. and the Asians and people from all over the world are playing ball in the NBA now, right? Yeah, I was looking at, if you look at the Brooklyn Nets roster right now, mm-hmm. they it's got like, a very, very it's it's, it's diverse roster. It. It's really, really <laughs> it's cool NBA that.
0: deal. That's how you know it's global. Now, yeah. You know?
1: you know, Bogdanovich plays for the Brooklyn Nets now. He plays, uh, he, he was at, in Rio, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's it, it crazy, I, I saw him, I didn't realize that he played for the Nets. And I'm like, man, like, brother could hoop. I'm saying he's tough. He's physical. He's strong. He got the ratty. Like I was, I was a fan of his game. Like man, know he played for Croatia. I'm like, this dude is nice. But then, like, if you look at a a, a team like Serbia, them dudes can hoop on any playground in New York City, and they will not be out hustled. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, dudes are tough. (laughs) You know. But I understand your point. Like you know. There's a lot of the finesse game you see sometime maybe you know, you might be thinking about a player like Ricky Rubio, or yeah, maybe like a Mano Ginobili from South America, you know. Um, and that exists too, you know. But the competitive spirit, the desire, the will, the determinations to win the work after that goes on behind the scenes is unquestionable and similar
0: Because here's, here's the thing because I've always, you know this is probably blasphemy, don't hit me, Trav, but I always felt like, all right, so the dream team, right. Obviously, they were, like, some of the most talented legends, like, ever. Never not to them. But at the same time, I feel like when they were playing, or when they were competing on the world stage, basketball kind of had just gotten to a lot of the places that they were playing. So I don't really feel that it was kind of like being the, the high school dude playing against, like, your fifth-grader cousin, your little brother. Like, there wasn't really that... So I, although the talent was there, I feel like the gap was much larger just by virtue of knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Whereas in t- 2004, uh, that's true, that's Carlos true. Arroyo was giving work in the Olympics. You know what I'm saying? That's true. What's your uh, thought process on that?
1: I mean, no question about it, The, the gap, the talent gap yes. between the United States and the rest of the world Shrinks more and more every single year. I mean, mm-hmm. look look at Porzingis and what he's able to do mm. with the Knicks, That's right? Sure. So, that boy, good. Yeah, he's good. You know what I'm saying? He's coming in and he's young. Also, it's not like he's like one of these guys who like played professionally forever. Yeah, yeah, you know, from his hometown and then came to the NBA like Arvidas Sabonis did when he came to the NBA. Right? Arvidas Savonis is a legend. Is a legend. Wow. You know, but he, he came to the NBA when he was in his later years. Wow. You know, so these kind of these gaps are like way, way, way closer, man a lot of these guys know each other you know what Mm -hmm. I mean but also keep in mind culturally there is no college system there's no NCAA system anywhere else but in America
0: for better or worse
1: Uh, it depends right because in the European system and in other parts of the world out of high school you're going straight pro so now as a 17-18 old, you're playing with the You know, the equivalent, the local equivalent of Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. You're playing with the best of the best Mm -hmm. at a very early age. So in that sense, it's an advantage early on. And you hear NBA coaches talk about this as well. It's an advantage to them early on. But in the long run, they kind of miss the fundamentals. I heard Gino Oriyama say this at a press conference. Gino Auriemma, if you don't know, he's the head basketball coach for the the women's team USA. Who are on the single most dominant streak in basketball history. Uh, International, they haven't lost a basketball game since 1992. Dang. And yeah, and, and you know, watching <laughs> them, you know, me sitting on the sidelines, you know, that's photographing it. them, I, they taught me a whole new level of greatness. Mm-hmm. I mean, they play and by that, it's not only how much more talented they are than their opponents necessarily, it's how they continue to outwork their opponents all the way through the game from beginning to end, regardless of the score. You know, as a coach, I like to kind of teach my players, you know play the game, not the score. So whether you're up by 20 or down by 20, your effort should not be changing. You should still be Uh trying to get better regardless of what the scoreboard Mm -hmm. says. And the women's team USA embodied that to perfection. You know, they they didn't take, I can't think of a a possession they took off, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And that says a lot about their greatness, about their tenacity, about their coach, about the leadership behind all that, about the legendary players who make up that team. So from that standpoint, you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to say
0: you know yeah. there's a bit of new wave of like um um photography for ph- well, photographers and now that profession is now also is very you know appealing it can also very be very lucrative too as well too um i see a lot of kids you know getting more interested in doing it you know they're showing through social media and it's, it's like really coming up um what advice would you give someone trying to get in the game and someone trying to, you know, be a, a niche photographer as far as, you know, in sports or or around that, you know, around that um, subject. What advice would you give somebody coming up?
1: My advice would be to follow your passion. You know, so make sure, you know, you love what you're doing because there's going to be aspects of it that you're not going to like. Mm. And if those are enough to deter you from getting the whole thing done, then you're not going to Continue with it, right? Photography, yeah. there's a lot of that, right? As a photography entrepreneur, people might see, they might hear that, okay, John Lopez went from Gersh Park to Rio de Janeiro, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> photographing, you know, New York City playground basketball and the Olympics. And it's like, okay, you pick up a camera and you could do that too. And the truth is, maybe, maybe, right? Maybe, maybe you can. But it, I didn't just like wake up and all of a sudden I, I got from Brooklyn and the Lower East Side out to all of these shoots, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And to, and to you know, gain the trust of these clients. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of hard work in between, right? Hours and hours. As I mentioned, I worked at the Boys stuff in New York for a long time. While I'm at the Boys stuff, I got my nine to five, which is really like a 24-7 job because I'm working with young people. You know, I had kind of their lives in my hands and I, I took that very seriously. So I'm working tremendously hard to help all those young people, but at the same time, I have this other passion going on with photography. So I'm pulling all-nighters when I get back home studying mm-hmm. photography, looking at some of the legends that came before me, uh, kind of studying how I could get the technical aspects down so that when I pick up my camera, my camera is just an extension of me. And I'm not kind of mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, man, uh, what shutter speed should I use? What's aperture? What, what, what does ISO mean or ASA? And What is all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I make sure that I really understand the tools that I'm using uh, in and out. So that when I get on set, when I get to a location, you know, I'm just—it's kind of, just an extension. So now I'm focusing on the emotion, capturing those those moments that are really impactful. Um, so my advice would be to really study up on it, understand it, and you know, if you love it, you'll be able to do this in your free time. You'll be able to do this, you know, while you're getting paid for it, mm-hmm. um, and not so really uh, dive deep into the technical side of it and understand that it's going to be a lot of long days and a lot of maybe free jobs you may need to take or you know, just jobs where you're building your portfolio up and right. you know, you're doing great work but you're not really necessarily getting a reward yet. Those things may come later. I think you know, some of the brands that trust me now, that trust would not have been there had I not spent you know, many nights until one o'clock in the morning up at Dykma. You know what I mean? Where i to mm-hmm. take an hour train ride <laughs> mm-hmm. back home you know, after that. Sure. Um, those kind of things all kind of built the foundation for where I'm at now. And I think we all, you know, they talk about the 10,000 hours kind of thing. Mm. When it gets down to the nitty gritty, you really got to get out there and do it. You know, I think also some people look at their own photography and it's easy to say, man, like, my photo photo doesn't look like this person's or that person's. Or this person might have a billion followers on social media and so on or a big following or huge clients. And That's not, you know, comparison is ego-based. Right? You got to lose your ego. It's not about comparing yourself to the next photographer or the next uh, entrepreneur, it's about comparing yourself to yesterday's you. Did you get better than you were yesterday? Mm. Those are the kind of questions you have to ask yourself and that's how you continue to progress. And if you worry about yourself and you're doing this out of genuine love for, for your passion, everything else will follow. You know when I first started out I was thinking kind of similarly like, man, how can I how can I get into this big house? How can I make this big check and right. this and that? And I, I got no jobs. You know what I'm saying? That got me nowhere. But when I started just Saying forget all of that, you know, just want to focus. How can I get the best possible image? Here? How can I really capture the essence of what's going on in front of me? Then all of a sudden, you know, my work starts getting attention. You know, and, and in two thousand and eight, again, Bounce Magazine was in at the time that I had my blog on, and I was I was spending a lot of time up at Daikmen that summer in particular, and I loved the energy of and The crowds were great. You know, the announcer it. It was amazing. It was Joe Pope at that time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. I fell in love with it. So I would go there week after week, day after day, straight out of work, went home crazy late. And I was talking to uh, Sean Couch, who was uh, another one of the co-founders of Bounce Magazine. And I think at that particular time, him and Bob were kind of splitting duties of editor in chief. And, you know, we had a conversation about kind of getting like sort of an aerial view. And so I knew there was a building uh, just kind of overlooking the park. And so I had gone up there a couple of times throughout the season, just kind of check it out, get my settings right again, you know, doing the research, seeing how that all might come to fruition if I get a shot from up there on one of the days where the park is really packed. And then came the championship game. I, I didn't post any of those photos I had made earlier in the season. Championship game came, it was Bingo's All-Stars versus Harlem for life. I remember that. And uh, on Bingo's team, you know, there was a high school senior uh, from Rice High School uh, named Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. Among you know Anthony Glover, Mike Glover, uh Kedra Clark, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Irvin, you know, many of you know the New York City legends mm-hmm. um, from then and even there. So the park is packed. It's crazy, everybody wants to see a good show championship. I mean, there's people sitting on the fences, people climbing up in the trees, on top of a little building there, the watch. The one train is going by and, and you know, the announce like, the one train is watching, and then the one train will stop and will honk his horn. some of the people on the, on the train kind of watch the coming seconds of the game. Ooh. It's dope. So I climb up, you know, I, I found a young person, I'm like, you know, can you help me get into that building? Ooh. So I get in the building, take the elevator top floor, I'll go up onto the roof. And mm-hmm. it's just like one of the most magical scenes I've I'd ever, I'd ever witnessed, you know? Like, wow. wow, this is crazy. This is such an amazing community event. Everybody's out here to kind of support the basketball and they're just enjoying this, you know? If the park could fit legitimately a thousand people, there, was, there were at least 6,000 people mm-hmm. there, you know? Just trying their best. If they couldn't see the game, they were at least just trying to hear it. They just mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of that, that history, that culture, that warrants. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I was taking my photos from up there and the next day I put it on my blog. Bounce Magazine published in a double truck, which means it was a two-page spread. Oh, wow. uh, and then I was hit up by numerous publications around the world and the image ended up being published uh, all over the world. Wow. Um, and then some representatives uh, from Nike contacted me and they wanted to license the photo for some of their usage. And that kind of uh, put me on the map. So. All that to say that you know I did the research early on. I was paying close attention to what was going on. I, I kept asking myself, how can I, how can I push the boundaries? How can I, how can I expand this and maybe do something that hadn't been done before? And you know, to my knowledge, that's the first time a photo of that particular tornado was taken from up there. Since then, others have gone up there right. and gotten the shots in years past. But the court, you'll notice, the court uh, never looked like that again because the year after Nike kind of helped them refurbish the park. And
0: it's a lot different wow took a chance and that led to a lot of opportunities that's what's up that's, that's what's up you got any questions to do I'm just still kind of caught up in the uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, storytelling yeah. that was that was pretty dope man um yeah. man I I don't really know what else to ask um except for uh I guess what are, in the next coming uh you know months and, and, and year um New Year's upon us, uh, what can we expect from, you know, John Lopez? Yeah.
1: So one of the things I'm big on is is kind of setting big goals, you know, and pursuing. And you know, everybody has a you know, have short-term goal, kind of medium-term goal, long-term goal. One of my long-term goals for a long time was to shoot the Olympics, right? I figured if I was going to be a basketball photographer, I had to, you know, be the best basketball photographer I could be, and so I asked myself, well, how can I... How can I do that? Right? How can I achieve that? And so I thought, okay, well, maybe if I shot in NBA game, that, that would kind of help me get on that track. Maybe if I get published in different magazines, and that could help me get on that track. And yeah. I thought, I really want to shoot an the Olympics. I mean, that's kind of like the epitome of basketball at very very highest level. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was, it was an emotional moment when I got that invitation Ooh. to represent. Uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm representing my family, you know, I'm representing the Lower East Side, I'm, I'm representing. You know, the struggle, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I'm going from the playground to the Olympics, and that was such a big deal for me. Um, you know, again, on and off the court, right? Like, my jump shot didn't get me to the leagues, so my snap shot and my snapshot didn't. My jump shot didn't get me to the Olympics, but so my yeah. snapshot did.
0: That's a great, so I hope you got that in your IG profile or yeah. something got that. You might, be, you gotta have, you <laughs> might <laughs> want that. Yeah.
1: So, you know, that, that meant a lot to me. And, you know, it kind of it kind of told me that when I first envisioned that goal, I felt like, man, a lot of work to do before I'm gonna reach that, you know. And I, I kind of rolled up my sleeves and I was like, "All right, well, I'm about this life. I gotta, I gotta do these kinds of things." And, and it, it was really blind, you know, to be honest. I, I'm doing the things, and it's like, is this really getting me there? Is this really doing it? And there's no answer, right? Mm-hmm. I think so many, so many times we we want a blueprint help. Just tell me exactly how to get from point A to point B so I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that that's just not the way it works. Right? We all have our own paths. We all have our own journeys, and so. I made this goal, it came to fruition, and it kind of blew my mind. And it was, it was really emotional for me and spiritually because I'm like, man, like, this really happened. And, and now I was like, okay, well, the Olympics are over. Now what? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so soon after the Olympics, I was very blessed to be invited to uh, document the enshrinement of the Basketball Hall of Fame Ooh. up in Springfield, Wow, which was really Congrats, amazing. Man.
0: That's amazing.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. And, you know, that, that, was, that was another blessing. You know, it was kind of like another milestone for me. And ironically, you know, this year it was Shovel Swoops, Rudy Tom Jonathan, No, not Rudy Tom Jonathan, sorry. It was Shovel Swoops. It was, uh, oh, what's my man's name? I'm going to blank right now. Uh, Tom, I forget. But it was Shaquille O'Neal and Allen, obviously, yeah. among them. Mm-hmm. And Shaq and Aya were two of my favorite players. Shaq gave my favorite player all the time just growing up you know I just loved his, his uh, you know affable character but yeah. his tenacious you know grid rocking dunks you know what I mean? just, just dominating on uh, yeah. the court and not that I was ever that kind of player but you know <laughs> I just really really yeah, loved it. Sure. I, I always loved Alan Robinson's heart Yeah. You know, he's definitely you know, in my top five. you life. know man. I mean you know I grew up you know in hip hop culture basketball culture sneaker culture Alan Robinson embodied all of that in one magical crossover of number twenty three. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he, he just did all that. So anyway, I am at I'm at this event and you know in between there was some downtime and you know uh, you know one of my college friends works in the NBA and we happened to bump into each other and I was able to kind of stand on stage while he was setting it up and it's like man like I'm standing on stage of the uh, Hall of Fame in shrine. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me my next goal and I'll put it out there in the universe because I'm crazy like that, is to be inducted into the basketball hall of fame. And again, it's not gonna be my jump shot that's gonna get me there. So I got time to work as a photographer. Wow. That's the goal. Will I get there? I don't know. But now I know, right, with that kind of goal, I'm never gonna stop working. And I love what I do so much that I'm I'm happy to do that. You know, so that, hopefully that's gonna be, maybe not the next thing, right? But it's definitely my next biggest goal. Uh, in, in the in between time, you know, I just want to continue um, creating images that have an impact. You know what I'm saying? I want people to to kind of feel something when they see the photo. You know, I want you to. I don't want you to just look at it and kind of keep swiping up your phone or just turn to the next one. i I want it to be so powerful that you can't. You have you have no choice but to stick with it for a minute and let it marinate.
0: That oh, man. <laughs> I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be at the ceremony when it happens. You know, I, you know, I said, like, we we spoke about this shit exactly. So also, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's uh this is great. I'm glad we had a, a very inspirational story, man. Even coming from where you're coming from, it looks like visual, visualization is, is definitely key in how you made things happen for yourself. I try to really practice that, you know, myself too. So that's that's great to hear it and to see somebody who lived it. So you know. Thanks again for being on the show. Absolutely. Uh, before you go, where can uh, we find you on the socials uh, or just on the internet? Period. For, uh, for sure,
1: for sure. Well, my website is johnlopezphotography.com That's J-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z photography.com My Instagram is at johnlopez13 Again, it's J-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z 1-3, the number. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? That, that's where I'm at. Follow me, join me on my journey. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing av- adventure and I hope that, you know, People who follow me enjoy uh, what I'm putting out there as much as I enjoy creating.
0: Yo, awesome. Awesome. And on that note, y'all, anything is possible. Yes, sir. Stay driven. Stay driven.
1: Thanks for having me.